Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latin A culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latin A minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary, and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to In Her Shoes. I'm Lindsay Peoples, and I'm Editor-in-Chief of The Cut. On this show, I get to talk to people that we love and admire, or some that we just find interesting. We'll explore how they found their path and what maybe have gotten in their way, and how they brought others along now that they've arrived. Christina Blahnik walks in the footsteps of her incomparable uncle, Manolo, and as the CEO of the Manolo Blahnik brand, there's no doubt those shoes are absolutely divine. After taking over the position in 2013, she's been able to expand the company from just six employees to 80 employees globally and two standalone shops to 20 boutiques, all while keeping the staple artistry of the luxury shoe brand her uncle started just over 50 years ago. We talked about maintaining the Manolo Blahnik legacy, the brand's impact in pop culture, and her vision for the future of the brand. So usually when we do this show, I always ask my guests what kind of shoes they have on because, of course, this show is called In Her Shoes. Um, I'm assuming you mostly wear Manolos, but I'm curious if they are Manolos, what kind, the backstory. Um, Manolos are obviously so intricately beautiful. So I'm wondering what shoes you're wearing now or what are your favorite shoes to wear right now? I am actually wearing a shoe from the family of shoes that is my favorite family, which is I'm wearing a flat Maysail pump, which is a little flat um, pump in a, a red, black, green, and blue plaid. Ooh, um, nice. So I'm ha- I'm harnessing my uh, my autumnal um, fabrics at the moment. The backstory to it is it was originally a design that was done for Isaac Mizrahi's runway show in 1990. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some fantastic pictures of Linda Evangelista wearing them with this fantastic huge skirt. And it's um, it's kind of little got a little pilgrim buckle on the front of it. And in the last, I'd say six to eight years it's um it's had a renaissance and we now have a little family of them in flats and in higher heels in pumps in slings in boots um but that is my favorite shoe because it's um 
one, I can run around in it. I can wear it from the morning up until midnight. Not that I ever go to bed at midnight. That's far too late. <laughs> and, uh, and also, it's just got a little bit of detail that, that makes it more than just a simple shoe, but it is so understated that it's elegant in whatever situation. Um, and it's flat, either flat or five centimeters. And I'm very tall. So I prefer to go for very low heels or little flat shoes. It sounds very chic. I'm going to ask you for a picture later so I can see which shoes you're talking about. I will, I will. I'll send them immediately. Love, love. Um, you are part of such an amazing, incredible family. Um, and, you know, just Manolo's as a shoe have, you know, so much heritage and are part of culture so much. Um, but what was that like as a younger person? What were some of your earliest memories of, you know, being into the fold of the family business or just knowing and being surrounded by shoes so much? And um, I was also just wondering if you had a favorite pair when you were a child or what was that experience like? Well, I've, I've said to people in the past, I, I, I grew up in a shoebox. Um, I, I, I genuinely did, and it's not a, it's not just a metaphor. I, um, I remember in the shop on Old Church Street, which is in Chelsea, which is still, you know, our, our little flagship historical shop, um, was my living room. It was where, after I came back from school at 3 p.m., um, I would I would go upstairs and do my homework in our little teeny tiny little office. And I'd watch my uncle and my mother selling shoes or unpacking shoes for the new collections or sending shoes out for the press. I mean, they did everything. Um, so it was it was an extension of our home. And then when the big new collections arrived, of course, it was just my mother and my uncle and maybe a couple of other people from the team that were helping. And it would go late into the evening out of the cartons that the shoes are being delivered in. They would make these little Wendy houses. I don't know if you call it Wendy houses in the States, that little kind of houses that children play in. And they used to cut a big giant mouse hole out of it, like a door. And I just play in this little house. So I, it was a shoebox. So I did grow up in a shoebox. Um, but it was it was magical. It was it was my playground. At the end of the day, I had my little jobs. I had to get my suede brush and I had to brush all the suede shoes. That was my 5.30 p.m. where I'd hoover every day, the, 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 the shop. And um, it's it's really where I kind of learnt and observed my my mother and my uncle truly working hard to make the business a success every day um, and doing every single little part of it. And that's what I very much carry into everything I do now. I, I want to be involved in every aspect so that I, I can support or I can also roll my sleeves up and do whatever is necessary, whether it's selling shoes in the stores or going to the factories or helping with press days. I learned that that work ethic from my mother and uncle watching them. But then when you ask me about my favorite shoe, well, I've kind of evolved. I have so many of them. Yeah. At that moment in time, when I was a little girl, there was one particular pair of red, bright red patent pumps. And they were on a four and a half, five inch heel and they were a size, a US size four, so quite small. And I was, I must've been about eight years old and I had this fantastic school uniform, which was bottle green tights, uh, wool tights, like really woolly scratchy tights, those yeah. horrible ones. A gray flannel kind of pinafore dress and then a little bottle green wool cardigan. 
And Jamie, who's our house historian now and, and supports in, in the archives and with all of our visual merchandising, he was he was working in the shop and they used to say, oh, go on, put the shoes on, put the shoes on. And I put these shoes on and I dance around the shop because we have these two giant mirrors there. And if anyone ever goes, they're still there. It's exactly the same shop that it was in the 80s. And they used to make me dance to all these songs um, with these giant red patent shoes. I've never seen them since I was about eight years old. Um, but they're very much, they're my very first shoe memory. So fascinating and, and beautiful and wonderful and full of creativity, which I love. I know that you also went to school actually for architecture and you didn't go into the business until um, you were in your 30s. What was the thing that changed for you and obviously growing up around it, but then, you know, wanting to do something different and, and coming back to it? I never left it. Because even through school, university, even when I was my, an architect and I had my own practice, we always helped in the business in some shape or form. So as a teenager, I used to help in the shop. Um, in my early 20s, I used to help in the press office in my holidays. And then when I had my architecture practice, it was in the very late 90s, early 21st century. We had a digital camera, so we used to do all the lookbooks for Manolo Blahnik. Um, so I never left it. Um, so I always had a, a tiny little toe in the door. But in my mid-30s, it was where kind of there was an alignment of all sorts of different things happening for myself, in my own life, in my own career as an architect, in my family's life, in my uncle's life, in my mother's life. And there were just moments, I, you know, I've never experienced it before, and I'm glad I did experience it, but it was one of those moments that I've heard about and I've now experienced it where things come together and it slightly shifts your path. Mm -hmm. And it was a moment where, you know, my uncle couldn't go to the factories. This was in summer 2009 when we were developing the 2010 collection. And I was just at a juncture in my life where I said, you know what, I need to support my family now. I need to take some time out from my practice, architecture practice and, and support my family. And if I can build a building, you know, in some parallel universe, you know, translate it, you know, the same concepts of proportion and structure and construction and materials, even though they're very, very different, mm -hmm. the logic of it, I can probably apply to a shoe. Um, so Manolo entrusted me with his drawings and we set up all sorts of complicated internet at the, you know, at the time, internet was virtually still dialing up. Um, and, and we set it all up. So every day I'd be in the factories working and we'd send all the photos to Manolo in the evenings and we would then talk on the phone. It was before we had, you know, Zoom and video and FaceTime. And every day it would be the same sequence of events. We'd um, send it in the evening, in the mornings we'd talk, and then I'd spend the day in the factories working with the factories and the pattern cutters. Um, but but the first day was quite interesting. It was, I, mean, I was sitting at a table and the pattern cutters were looking, you know, there's three or four of them. We were all looking at each other going, oh goodness, are we going to be able to do this? And we did. And it was a beautiful collection. And what a, it was a, it was the best way to be baptized into the business full time because I, it, I wanted to tell the story of that collection. And that's really where my journey started with spring, summer, 2010. Um, but I never, ever, ever thought I would go into the family business full time. But now that I'm in it, I knew this was my destiny. It's, it's where I'm meant to be. I love that. I mean, you've also said so much, though, that you really, uh, there's a quote in Forbes magazine that you said you never had shoes to fill and you kind of came in with your own shoes and your own 
vision um, and dream for the brand and things that you wanted to do and, and moving it forward. What was going through your mind to actually take over as CEO and really find find the path that you really wanted for the brand? Obviously, there's so much history with the brand, but you know, moving things forward, new brands pop up all the time. Like, what was going through your head as far as you starting and going on this path on on your own in a new direction to keep the brand in a really modern presence, but also bring it forward into the future as in your own moment? I definitely don't think it's my own moment. I think it's 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 our moment. It's our family moment. I don't feel like I've put my own stamp on this. What I have hope I've done is kind of opened the, the doors to opportunities that, you know, in the absence of me having been there, we might not have considered. I, I feel like I've I've been part of the journey of evolving the narrative and the product and our little world. I think I suppose when I said, you know, I came in with my own shoes, I was reminded of that yesterday in a different circumstance. And it was quite, it was quite funny listening to it. Um, <laughs> it's because I came in at a point in my life in my mid-30s when I had already set up from scratch our own little business, architecture practice, which is still still very much um, operational and doing very well and is still the key is lead designer for the majority of our stores worldwide. I'd already set a path of of maturing in a professional world on my own. I suppose I already had a certain set of values and views of the world and perspectives that were my own. It's like going to university, you can be indoctrinated in a way of doing things as opposed to evolving into a way of doing things or learning them or making your own decisions about them. So I came in at a point where I felt... I was mature enough to and confident enough to have my own voice, but also, you know, humble enough to go, okay, I need to learn everything, even though I did grow up in it. So I didn't step into the CEO role either immediately or lightly. I needed to start right from the beginning. And, you know, whilst, yes, my first full day was on an aeroplane with Manolo's drawings, um, as soon as that was developed, I then took a big step back and I went in into the press office I was you know I was working in the press office doing the send outs just making sure we could get our story out and little bit by little bit through curiosity I wanted to learn more about every aspect of it it took me four years before I was ever in a position to even consider starting to to lead the business my my mother was the managing director up until um, up until I joined as CEO, we did it jointly for many years, and then eventually she's kind of taken a slight step back, but still very involved in the business. I wasn't put in at the deep end. I learned to swim. I mean, how have you though balanced throughout that transition, even in them giving you time um, to learn how to swim? It's obviously a big role, and you know, balancing being a CEO and upholding your family legacy, your own life, uh, being a mother. How, how have you balanced that and, and tried to also make space for self care? Um, I suppose I sit in a fairly unique position where this is my life. So, um, and and not not because I'm living and breathing work. It's because you know I, this this is my family. And that track that goes beyond my mother and my uncle. It goes into the whole team here. You know, it's um, it doesn't feel like I need to switch one thing off and switch another thing on. I don't feel like I'm multitasking. I feel like it's all just part of my journey. So, 
I don't feel like I'm needing to juggle things because there's only one direction, one object, one ball, if you like, that I'm holding and I'm evolving with it. And having children, you know, stepchildren, I'm a co-parent. It adds another perspective and their curiosity and what you know, the shoes, they get excited about it. And they've even, you know, we even had a couple of years ago, they were designing collections, which was quite fun. <laughs> um, it's easy, I suppose, because it's my life. It's all I know. I hear that. What would you say is the, the challenging part, though, about balancing it all? Or what would you say is something that you are still trying to figure out and learn on this journey of your life? Oh God, many, many things. I hope I never stop learning. I think trying to be a better person every day, trying to be a better parent, a better leader, a better human. I think that's the constant challenge, I suppose. But it's also the thing that keeps me motivated and invigorated every day is that I'm safe in the knowledge that I have a lot to learn and I will never end learning. It will never cease. One of my big, big passions is mental health um, and mental well-being. From my own personal journey, the importance of you know allowing yourself to be vulnerable, and that is a constant challenge of how can I share my experiences, how can I help other people, how can we help other people? Um, but it's you know, there's such a power in, in in vulnerability that actually I something I never appreciated until I was in my 40s, and I think that's something I, I want to continue to share and, and evolve in myself. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. you were talking about vulnerability, which I think is really important and beautiful. I know that you love cooking. Like what are, what are things that you're interested in outside of um, obviously, you know, running a company and, and balancing family? What are things that you're solely interested in or that you feel like have been fruitful to you as, just in your own development? I love cooking. It's, it's like a meditation because it's one of the few things for me where will not permit me to think about anything else. I need to be fully in the present mm -hmm. And it's also using your hands, you know, the, the chopping and the cooking and the thinking about the time. You, you don't have to think about anything else. So it is, a, I love it as a meditation. And then, it, of course, of course, also it's, it's highly rewarding at the end of it. Hopefully, if I've cooked a good meal, that is. Um, so that and in, in the last, you know, I'd say in the last six to eight years, I've really, I've gone from being an urbanite to a ruralite. I'm very, very connected to nature now it's it gives me just by physically being in it I already 
I just I feel that my energy changes and I feel much more grounded. Um, and we, we, we moved to the country about six years ago and now coming into the city, I feel, I just feel it's a different energy. It's a much faster paced one. I, I love it because there's an inner peace in, in nature. In my world, there are only three things that are luxury and that's time, freedom and safety. And nature for me really embodies that being in mm -hmm. the countryside, being in the forest, being with my dog, that's luxury. How do you balance that creatively and, you know, obviously having your quiet time in nature and in the country with your family, but then also, you know, designing for women and femmes who live all over the world and may live in very different places. What is that journey like and, and process like in your mind of designing for people who live in different spaces and creatively being in different spaces as well? I love that. I love being in the office. I love it creatively. I love it. I love both for different reasons. One is that introspection. Um, and the other one is that expression that, um, that you, you have in a work environment with people around because it's, it's so dynamic when, you know, someone can just say one sentence and it can slightly shift your creative direction or it can give you a new idea. Um, so when, you know, when Manolo has done the initial sets of designs and then I will start working with him um, and then I start working with the teams, it's that feedback, it's that, you know, in person is is really for me how magic happens. Um, when you can feel someone going, well, what about that? Or they're touching something, you're going, you're touching that, is that something of interest to you? Or, you know, there's just, it's just a faster paced, more dynamic way of communicating and for my mind to work it's so creatively I find I find the energy of of being in the city fantastic and then to answer your question around how do you design for a global woman or man or you know or, or anyone who's passionate about what we do it starts I suppose with what Manolo's passions are because he, he doesn't design to fashion. He designs to culture and intellect and all the and collages of all the things that have inspired him over the years. Um, and I think you can, you can design for anyone anywhere in the world, as long as you design it beautifully and comfortably and with the best quality. Um, you think of the, the person that's wearing flats to the person that wants to wear the towering heels it's going to talk to someone somewhere, um, but really, you know, beauty and proportion and quality and comfort, I think are universal. It doesn't matter where you are. So mm -hmm. that's how I believe. And I hope we are, you know, taking everyone's needs and desires into consideration. And do you feel like there is any pressure to mass produce or to make more? Obviously, you know, there's a ton of brands right now and, fast fashion, I think is faster than ever. So how do you also, you know, develop a perspective around that? It brings me back to we're one of the few companies in our sector of fashion that is completely independent. And that brings me back to that luxury of time and freedom. I'm very, very cautious and quite deliberate in not putting pressure on our direction because there is no need to grow. Um, and that's what I find worrying when I hear other people going, oh, we're going to grow 20% year on year. From my perspective, that should be a byproduct of nurturing all the other pillars and foundations, you know, whether it be values of, you know, beauty, creativity, artisanry, you know, the product, our commitment to responsibility. If we're doing everything that we can to 
to create the best things in the best way with, you know, trying to be a force for good. Um, I think growth is a, is, is a, is a byproduct for, for that. And by never altering your path or compromising, you know, I hope that over the last 51 years, we've nurtured a, a loyal and ever-growing community that look to invest in us because, you know, we, we don't want to be fast fashion. We're very much about timelessness. You know, I, I have shoes and I hear so many stories of people that have shoes that they bought 20 years ago and they mm-hmm. still wear them. And that for me is what what my legacy is. It's about creating something that will be relevant either to an individual or in history beyond, you know, in, in, in the short, medium and long term. I'm sure people always ask you about, you know, the Sex and the City satin blue heels. I have them. I'm sure you have them. I'm pretty sure everybody has them at this point, but I love those shoes so much. How do you take success of that shoe? And just, you know, obviously Manolo's were such a big part of Sex and the City and just the, you know, the storyline throughout that show. How do you take that and build on it? And I think, you know, introduce people who are just coming across it in the show now um, and rewatching the show or seeing the show for the first time. Or, you know, it's funny how like kids like see the photos on TikTok and they're like, oh, they're like discover it for the first time. So how do you capitalize on that moment, but also, you know, bring things forward? That moment at any popular culture moment that we have had the privilege to be part of has has always come as a surprise, first of all. And secondly, it's kind of just slightly shifted our journey. Um, you know, in, in late 90s, when Candice Bushnell wrote, wrote the book, she was a, a you know, a genuine, authentic fan of of Manolo, and and, um, and then that translated into this wonderful, and you know, it, it was formative for me. You know, I, it, I was in my twenties, early twenties, when it, that came out, um, and it it does it it brought Manolo from being, you know, a, a very you know successful but small you know brand of of people in the know to it brought it into every household. And what an amazing way to, to, to let people know what you are and who you are. And I think what, one of the very important things for us at that time and continues to be is to not, not, let, that, not let that change what we stand for um, so that people can come and explore us and go, oh, okay, and, and be more curious and, and learn about Manolo and who he is and what he stands for and the product he has. Because every single season he designs, you know, 200 new styles with new heels and new lasts. I mean, he's so prolific creatively. Um, mm. But, you know, that opens the door for people to go, who's this Manolo Blanick? It allowed Manolo to express himself even more to a wider audience. We've taken it in our stride. It is a pivotal moment in our in our journey. Um, you know, in amongst so many amazing other ones. You know, some of the collaborations we've done over the years with, you know, with Rihanna, with Vetmore, most recently Birkenstock, um, other pop moments. You know, when um, Jennifer Lopez wore it on the uh, wore. Uh, Okla Alta, um, which is kind of like a high walking boot in her Jenny on the Block film. All those things just shifted perspectives and also opened opened opportunities to, to a wider audience to learn about Manolo because he is one of the most cultured and academic people I have ever and probably will ever have the, the opportunity to meet. And 
if he can share any of that with any even one other person um that for him is is success that's really beautiful i mean how how do you feel like the aesthetic has evolved you know since all of those big moments like that you mentioned you know rihanna and jlo and sarah jessica parker all those people um how are you looking to evolve just the aesthetic and overall you know create a vision for the brand since you've had such big moments what are you looking forward to doing um I don't think it's it's shifted. There's been no revolution. Manolo stands for, you know, beautiful shapes, beautiful silhouettes. Um, you know, he, he did the platforms in the 70s because that for him was his moment to do it. He hasn't done it since, even though, you know, whatever it was, a decade, and decade, decade and a half ago, platforms were, you know, very much at the front of everyone's minds. Again, this, this season, I've seen amazing shoes running down the runway, but they're not, they're not Manolo. Manolo is more about being the jeweler of feet, um, the jeweler of shoes. And that doesn't necessarily need to have a jewel on it. It's that moment of magic. The only way we're really going to evolve is having better quality materials and even, you know, more comfort um, and standing by our values. In Manolo, there's a beautiful quote that is actually his life motto. It was given to him by Lucchino Visconti, who he sat next to at dinner in the early 70s. And in Italian, it is um, senza la tradizione non siamo niente. And that means in um, without tradition, we are nothing. And, you know, but in Manolo's mind, but with fantasy, we are free. So bringing those two worlds together of, you know, he references culturally so many traditional elements, you know, from all parts of the world, whether they be, you know, visual, you know, in, in words, in, in sound. Um, because those are the collages he has in his mind to create a new form, a new idea, that newness, that excitement that we haven't seen before, but actually it's not coming from a vacuum. You can't create from a vacuum. He comes from traditions and that's that elegance and that, that, that quietness and that beauty and sometimes very whimsical as well is what Manolo is and always will stand for. And that's what I you know, I, I am, I am an apprentice to, to continue that journey. I love the, the jeweler of your feet. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and this is the thing. I mean, I think, I think the reason that that blue hang easy has really resonated for so, so, so many years. I mean, I think we're now in our, it's, it's 13th year. It's its 13th birthday. I think or maybe even 14th birthday um, is, is because it's the perfect piece of jewelry for the foot um it's understated but it's 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 elegant it's it's got it's got enough but not too much it just sits in that perfect space and that's why I think it's it's really resonated for so many years with so many with so many people and I'm so glad you have one (laughs) do you still wear it yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Good. That's it. That's yeah. I, 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 someone was telling me yesterday, oh, I have these shoes. I've only worn them twice in 10 years. I've had them. I'm like, oh no, poor little babies. They want to come out and party. <laughs> oh yeah. I don't like to do the, the behavior where people save nice things for only nice occasions. I feel like that's a waste of time and I will literally just be like, I need to run two errands and put on a blazer and some jeans and wear them. I I don't want to save them for 
like, oh, I'm going to this gala or this work thing. Um, I'm definitely more the type that I love the shoes and I want to wear them whenever. And I also just feel like that's kind of the magic of them that you can wear them whenever. Uh, and that's, you know, Manolo, I watch him in the factories and even when he's drawing, but when he's in the factories, you know, cutting the patterns on the last, he is talking that he's saying, you, you know, like, you know, you said, Lindsay, no, you went to the shops at 6am in the morning because you ran out of milk or you went dancing at that, you know, at that, at that ball in, you know, 1700s or you were on these, he literally tells their story and breathes life into them but then you know when when you own them when you've invested in them you breathe another whole life story into them and it's amazing how many memories people talk about when they say oh I have these Manolos and they did this that and the other so I think there's a whole world of Manolo memories that if I I could probably if we put it out there and went tell me your memory of your favorite Manolos they probably have five or six ones from the most you know beautiful romantic to the naughtiest you could imagine um, there's a story I think behind everyone's Manolos in a cupboard and you've got to wear them they need to they need to live their lives <laughs> yeah yeah Totally. Um, I mean, ultimately, what do you envision as the legacy under your watch? My legacy is to protect that, to build all the foundations to protect that and also to give back. And, and you know, one of one of the things that we did um, during during lockdowns is that we we brought forward a project, which was one of these long term dreams that I had of giving back the archives to the world. Um, because I couldn't think of anything more sad than, you know, shoes collecting dust in a in a basement or a building or whatever, you know, climate condition spaces that, you know, they, they need to keep archive items now. I wanted it to be out there for people to share and see and appreciate and learn from and be inspired by, which is why we launched the the archives on our website. And it's um, it's a modular journey of Manolo's drawings, um, objects, you know, shoes that he's designed. And, you know, next year we're launching another room, which is um, which goes much deeper into what we do and how we do it. Um, and year on year, we want to add more and more. So that's one part of giving back. And then the other part is our foundation and supporting mental health, um, you know, animals, animal welfare, you know, the next generation, very, very important to us on all fronts, um, both creatively, but also all the other skill sets that are needed in our industry. So that that is my legacy, is to keep people smiling and for us to be telling the story into the future beyond my lifetime. Absolutely. Thank you so much. This was so fun to chat and um, I'm looking forward to hearing this episode. So thank you oh, again. Oh, thank you. Yes, I can't wait. I've, I don't like my sound of my own voice, so this is going to be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. In Her Shoes is hosted by me, Lindsay Peoples. Our producer and editor for this episode is Taka Zen. Our engineer is Brandon McFarlane and our executive producer is Hannah Rosen. The Cut is made possible by the excellent team at New York Magazine. Subscribe today at thecut.com slash subscribe. I'm Lindsay Peoples, and thank you so much for listening.